Bianca. And hey, hey, this is Melody. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the Invisible, Invisible Women Podcast. Podcast. Hello, IW listeners. Today we have with us this queen of storytelling, Miss Audrey Ori, celebrity writer, book publishing expert, playwright, film director, and most importantly, she is the CEO of 13th and Joan. Hello. Hello, hello, Miss Ari. We're happy to have you. Yes, Hi. hello, Queens. Thank yes, you so yes, much yes. for time with you. Yes, and, and we happy. are so excited. You, you are here. You look fabulous. Yes, and we just boy, can't yes. wait for you to educate our listeners. So let's just jump right into it. Yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what sparked your interest to start your business. Did you have, like everybody likes to say, that aha moment? <laughs> No. (laughs) Keeping it real. To keep that for Oprah. (laughs) Right. All the way. So, yes, my name is Audrey Ori. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a single parent home. I grew up in a home where there was domestic violence. I'm a childhood survivor of domestic violence. And I think, you know, those two things really shaped uh, my ability to turn pain into purpose. Yes. I was really, I started writing because I was the girl who talked too much in class. <laughs> okay. You always okay. got <laughs> She chatting too much. I got a daughter like that. I talked a little bit too much and they said, you know, just give her something else to do. So I had this amazing teacher who pulled me out of class and she walked me down this long corridor and I just knew I was in trouble once again for talking. And when <laughs> okay. I got to her classroom, she said, okay, you know, sit down. And she said, I want you to create something. So I said, okay, great. What do you want me to create? And she said, whatever you want to create, but creating is, and she said, you know, you can write, you can sing, you can paint, you can, she gave me all these things. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I'll write. Cause that's close to talking, but you know, I'll be quiet. So <laughs> yeah. It's so, a form of communication. It's a form of communication. So she said, well, what are you going to write about? And so I, I had to make all these decisions. She said, what are you going to write about? Who are you going to write about? Why are you writing about that? Everything was an open-ended question, but it led me to, Uh, the fact that I realized I was 10 years old, I realized that in my community, I was not aware of black women who were role models. I felt like I knew they were there, but I couldn't identify them. And I knew that if I couldn't, that meant a lot of young ladies like me could not. So I went on a quest to find these women who were amazing black women in our community who were, you know, just scientists and lawyers and doctors and all the things that we didn't talk Come about. Come on now, black excellence. <laughs> right. And so I then had to reach out to them. Now, showing my age, this was during the time I had to use the tele- <laughs> telephone book. Trying to deepen your voice down <laughs> somebody, a- mama. <laughs> Look, that's okay. That's okay. You made it work. Okay. So, right. So she said, well, you know, how are you going to find them? So I had to use the telephone book. I had to find them. I had to call them and ask them if I could interview them. Had to come up with the interview questions and do all that, right? And so then she said, okay, great. Well, once you do these interviews, what are you going to do with them? So I was like, well, I'm going to pull them all together. You know, she was like, pull them all together for what? So I was like, well, I'm going to pull them all together for a book. So she's like, okay, well, once you have the book, what are you going to do with the book? So I was like, well, I'm going to publish the book. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So at 10 years old, you know, but it was the open-ended questions that led me to this. And so I published the book. I brought these women together. The school that day um, really put a lot of attention on it. I contacted the news. I said, you know, bring, come and and interview, you know, see what I did. And the news came and we were on the front page of the paper. And it's crazy because that was 10 years old. Wow. I learned two things. One, I learned that 
10 years old, I learned that stories make people stop and listen, yes. right? Everybody wants to listen to a story when someone's telling. Yes. The other thing is after that day was over and everybody celebrated and those women, their stories were celebrated. My mom came into my room and she brought me a handful of money. Okay. And I said, what is this? And she said, this is your money. And I said, well, what is, what am I supposed to do with it? And she was like, whatever you want to do, baby, you earned it. Come and on. I thought, well, where did I earn it from? And she was like, this is from, this is from your book sales. I was oh, like, girl. Right? Come on, man. in trouble? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, pain into purpose. Pain into purpose. So, you know, I learned that stories can be monetized and that stories make people stop. You know, you can garner attention with stories. They're important and we need to know them. And so that day at 10 years old, I did what I am doing today, which Look is almost you. four decades later. It's just wow. Like that is God right there. I love that story. Amazing. One wow. thing that, that definitely wow. stuck out that reminded me that even, you know, how sometimes children are acting out, they're really like some people say there's no such thing as bad children. We just have to redirect their attention Energy. to find out mm -hmm. what would help them find their purpose. And look at you. You found that at 10 years old. At 10 that is years amazing, old. Audrey. I love that story. Very inspiring. Wow. Very okay. inspiring. You were gathering women at that young age. That's what we're trying to do now. Yeah. Look, okay. <laughs> but I, I love it because you you knew your end game. You knew that if you gathered all these stories, if you got all the right women into position, right. that you could strategically write this book. And you did just that. I mean, wow. wow, that is just an amazing story. Yes. Yes. It was really fun. But what, and the other thing that I didn't know is I was writing as them. So I was ghostwriting. Okay. Wow. I didn't know. Okay. Wow. Look at that. And that just and that led you into your business now, 13th and John. Yes. Right. Wow. That <laughs> I would love to say that it was, you know, it was a straight and narrow path, but it was not. So after all of that at 10 years old, and that was a massive success. You know, when I went into middle school, things were very tumultuous. This is when um, I've been raised in a single parent home with a mother who I knew gave her all to me. She did yes. not date. She did not go out. She was really there for me. Right. Yes. And she found love. But immediately when she found love, I knew that was not, it was not right. But I felt like I would have been selfish to say something because it's like, how could you allow her to have sacrificed all this time? And then she finally do something for herself and then you stand in the way of it. So as a child, I thought, no, I'm not going to say anything. But that was awful. I should have said something because that then led into the domestic violence that we experienced in our home. And so things went completely left. Um, okay. I started failing out of school. I was almost expelled from school. I was acting mm -hmm. out. I wasn't sleeping at night. I was staying awake every night because I was not sure, you know, yes, how he would harm her. Yeah. Um, yes. At school, it seemed cool because I was the girl who had the private phone line, but nobody okay. realized that I had the private phone line because I needed it to call 911 if necessary, right? So it was that kind of situation going on in the home. Um, he would take our car. We would have to walk to you know, the convenience store to get food. Uh, she would, you know, have black eyes and we would hide it. And so, you know, during that time, domestic violence laws were very different. And right. house business, house business. You know how like yes. living yeah, the time right now, caring about your pain is is in, you know? Yes. Black. During that time, you didn't tell anybody that somebody was beating you in your home. You didn't talk about those things. Right. So we hid all of that. But my pain, you know, it was, it was very traumatic for me. And then not having... A father feeling like, okay, well, something must be wrong with me or, you know, I'm less than. And so yes. all of those things came into play. So those three years were very, very tumultuous. 
the thing that changed me was when I came home. I had gotten in trouble in school. I was okay. in detention. And so the teacher had to bring me home. My mom was supposed to pick me up. She did not. And I'm like, okay, where is she? I have an attitude. Um, but when I got back to the house, I called out for her and she was not there. She didn't answer. So I'm like, what's going on? I was walking on eggshells the whole three years wondering if I would find her, right? Find her. Yes. And so wow. when I came to that particular you. day, no, no answer, no answer. I walked down the hallway. I'm yelling. By this time, I'm like, mm, something's not right. I can feel it in my spirit. Yeah. So I found my mom. Yeah. She was on the floor. She was breathing. She was in a fetal position, but she was unrecognizable. Oh, Yes, he had taken her out to um, like a wooded area and he had beat her. He really wanted to, to kill her. He just didn't. And I don't know. It was the grace of God that she got back home. Oh, thank but you, Jesus. Day, I know. On that day, I promised her that I would not add to her because I was acting out. I promised her that I would not be an accomplice to the pain. I would not be someone who was a part of that, you know, by being yes. a, a, someone who was, wasn't even in school, you're not making your mother proud. I'm hurting her more. So I promised mm -hmm. that day I would not. So I turned my life around. And then by the time I got to high school, I was able to kind of change some things, get back into student government, all those things. So I really? wasn't writing during that time. Mm -hmm. I was writing frustration, but I wasn't writing, you know, in a formatted way. I was always writing, yes. but not in a formatted way. And okay. so then I went on to school for education because that was kind of a safe thing. And so mm -hmm. I was an educator, went to become a teacher, a uh, resource teacher, and then an assistant principal. And oh, so resigning from my position as an assistant principal, because then I was a mom, got married, all those things, okay. and had a, a lovely family, but I was an awful pregnant woman. So they told me, now don't come back in here, don't have any more children. You said don't come back in here. You'll come back in here, please. Yeah. So, my husband got a promotion to move okay. us from Florida to Atlanta. Okay. And okay. when we moved to Atlanta, I didn't have, we didn't have any family, didn't have any friends here. And I had to make the decision if I was going to resign from my position or not. Um, okay. And I did resign from the position, but I didn't want to pick it back up because I had a newborn baby. So okay. I got to Georgia. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to launch a nonprofit. The yeah. nonprofit, because I'm a hard worker, I'm going to make as much money as I did in my position sure. in my first year. You all already know. I yes. failed miserably. Okay. Because the money was not there. It was in 2009 when there was a recession. Yes. Okay? And so it, sometimes in our community, we think nonprofit means not profitable. Not for profit. <laughs> not for profit. That's not what it means. But sometimes <laughs> believe that. Okay. So then um, I said, okay, I now have an organization that I have built, foundation, servicing 500 women and uh, 500 women and teen girls, teaching, wow. and kids, teaching. And I went back to the school system that I worked in and I said, I know these are the things that are missing. Mm -hmm. Let me pack this mentorship program and sell it to you. So okay. I did that with nice. Robin Peter to pay Paul. It sounds good, but when you are yeah. not making profit, you are just spinning yes. your wheel. Okay. I totally understand. Right, right. <laughs> I was being impactful, but there was no income. So there I was you go. At least you're keeping it real. Yes, maybe can relate. Okay. Yes. I'm taking from the grocery budget to buy snacks for the <laughs> Okay. I'm packing up my newborn baby because she can fly for free. She's under two. I'm yes. flying from Georgia back to Florida. I'm driving from school to school. 
doing, you know, empowerment workshops for the girls at the schools, buying snacks, setting up tables, doing all of that, right? Working myself like crazy. But doing God's work. It was absolutely God's work. So, you know, you can go on the fumes of that for quite some time. Yes. And I Okay. So then I get to about uh, three years in and I think, well, now there's got to be a better way. So I know in America or anywhere you have to sell a product. Yes. Now I've got an audience, 500 women and teen girls. What do we like? Well, we like lipstick. We like lip gloss. We like those we things. Love it. So then I started a company called I Love Me. It was just to reinforce self-esteem, right? Okay. But it was selling lip gloss and lipstick. I promise I'm rounding this out, but you guys got to hear it all. because No, we love it. Like our listeners, trust okay. me, they're going to soak this up. <laughs> you have to hear it because I think people glorify success, but we don't yeah. talk about the zigzag that it That's right. to go through to get there. That's right. right. You're speaking right so, to me. Okay, perfect. So I did this company, I Love Me, and now it's it's the verge of New Atlanta. But you know, when Atlanta was becoming this mini Hollywood, mm-hmm. so I yeah. found myself on the sets of photo shoots and productions now. But I'm asking, I'm volunteering, I'm going in to be the makeup artist for free. So that I can bring my lipstick in for placements, right? There you go. So then when I'm on the sets, I'm listening and I'm looking at these women who are gorgeous. They're made up. They look fabulous. And they're like, oh, you know, don't photograph me like that because that's my bad side. Oh, don't do that. Oh, I'm too fat. I'm this. And I'm like, wait, hold on. So I'm over here struggling with self-esteem because I've walked away from a position that I have worked in for eight years to build an income and generate an income. And I'm attaching my self-worth to income. So I know my problem. I haven't dealt with it, but I know my problem, right? right. Yes. Right. I'm dealing with all of these things, these issues of not feeling good enough, self-worth that are from my childhood, as well as the trauma that I never spoke about because That's that was right. house business with the domestic violence. But then I look at a woman who's beautiful in every way and you have self-esteem issues too. So I'm like, wait, so self-esteem is something that we as women are dealing with. So then I thought, okay, I'm going to write a book because I don't have money to advertise in essence. I don't have money to advertise in some of the other things. So I'm going to write a book Okay. and I'm going to put the message in the book. So I bring together 21 women and teen girls, non-traditional beauties. We weren't talking about alopecia at the time. I had someone who was bald, stunning, uh, someone who was very fair, someone who was very dark like me, someone who was covered in freckles, someone who yeah. had been through domestic violence, someone who was not the perfect weight according to the health standards, but not right. the cultural standards, okay? So it's just all these different beauties. We had a, an amazing retreat, okay? Keyword retreat, because we do retreats now, right? Love had it. a retreat for a weekend. I had a salon to volunteer to pamper these women for the weekend to give them all makeovers to do a photo shoot volunteer uh photographers volunteer makeup artists stylists all that we did this we shot the pictures for the book now these women believe in the book because it is about them and it wasn't about me it was about them so then i interviewed them one time i sat in a room i listened to all their stories interviewed them one time and then I wrote their stories. Then I called each one of them and I read their stories to them. They were crying because I thought they're not going to like it. They're going to say she can't publish this. Everybody was crying. That was something else. Then we had a book signing, but these women had bought into the fact that this book belongs to them. I'm sharing this with you because you have your own community, right? Right. 
Okay, so when it was time to host the book signing, I went back to what I did when I was 10. I contacted the, a bookstore this time. Okay. Girl, smart. Okay, but now the book signing, people aren't just coming for me. People are coming for these 21 women and teen girls, and they're like, come, this is the first feature. So yeah. the room was packed, right? Wow. Because of the fact that there was a community around the book. There's the key, and a lot of people miss that. You right. have to build the community for the right. book so that you have the support you need before yes. the book is ever launched. They yes. were more proud of the book than I was because they told their stories and their truths. Okay, yeah. the book signing goes amazing. I get a phone call from someone who says, I have a client on VH1 who has a story coming out, I mean, who has a, a show coming out, VH1. Can you write a book in 30 days? Wow. Well, I didn't have a job, right? Because I had resigned. So okay. I'm like, I have some time. I can I, I can try. I needed to bet on myself. So I wrote that book in 30 days. Wow. I don't have anywhere to publish the book. Well, I had a publishing company. I put 13th and Joan together to publish my own work. Okay. 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 Now it's all okay. coming together. <laughs> so look, you see it all coming together. Come on now. Come on now. Now that's VH1. So then word of mouth. Okay. MTV, WeTV, Centric, OWN. All of the networks, because oh, it was word of mouth, that, yeah. hey, we have this girl who can crank out a book real quick, and she can get it published. So it now becomes a part of people on reality TV's storyline. Okay. For yes. two years, three years, I was writing, ghostwriting, and I didn't even know that was the name of what I was doing. I just had to <laughs> oh, look at them and say, is there a word for when you write for someone else, but it's not your, you know, what is, and I found ghostwriting. So that essentially is how I got to this point okay. because it was not me saying, oh, this is an aha moment. It was me literally needing to bet on myself, mm -hmm. me needing to deal with my own childhood trauma and yes. me needing to find a way to value myself outside of generating an income, right. valuing yeah. what I could do and the talents that God had given me. So that's how I got to this point. And then I realized, there is a deficit in the literary industry for people of color. We yes. do not have ac access to equity in this industry, and there needs to be something done about that. So I'm going to create the company that I needed. I'm going to create payment plans. I'm going to create layaway situations so okay. that we can nice. to do. And I'm not saying that because we don't have it. I'm saying that because sometimes we don't have it to contribute to things outside of, you know, our normal day-to-day. Day-to-day right. bills, right. yeah. Make sure that we had access to it no matter what our circumstances or situations were. So that is how we got to 13th and Joan. I'm sorry that was so long, but I just no. know no. we have to talk about the zigzag to where we go versus, yes, I'm here now and it's great. <laughs> yes. And that wasn't easy. It wasn't. No, that, that, I think that was a word. And, and you can say it again for the people in the back because <laughs> I was feeling it. I was having all the feels like when you were talking about how you got to rob, rob Paul to pay Peter, Peter, and Peter to, pay to pay Paul, Paul whatever, <laughs> whoever you had to rob <laughs> to make your right. dream work. Right. And so yeah. that's just a testimony to our listeners. And yes, I know it's a testimony to me that keep going. Right. When you believe in something, keep going. Right. It's not going to start off glitzy and glamorous. You're going to no, have one right. follower. You might have two followers. You're not going to have 100,000 followers on Instagram right away. It doesn't mean that you're, whatever you're giving isn't good. Right. You just got to trust the process. That's what I took from your story. 
When also yes, some yes. key thing that stuck out for me is always you got to bet on yourself. Oh yeah. And so like they say, everybody don't always see your vision because it's not their vision, right? right? Right. And so that's why we have to keep letting, informing people and mm -hmm. teaching people because sometimes the things we don't know is what we fear. Oh, that's not going to work. Well, maybe mm -hmm. we don't know enough about it. So the more that we um, have access to, like you said, opportunities and resources, then it becomes a normal for us, right? To continue that's to right. create generational wealth yes. and create legacy. That's beautiful, that's, beautiful. I so love one it. question that I have, yes. um, because I know everybody has um, history and, and a story to tell, but what really makes for a good story, like you say? Because yes. you, you created everybody's story and put it all together, <laughs> but what do, what do you need to make a good story? Give us what a couple meat, of What kind of meat do you need? <laughs> Listen. We don't lack seasoning. I can say that. You know, we, don't. <laughs> we got flavor. <laughs> we we so the funny thing is, I can take anything. And this is this is at I'm at a point in my life now where I know what I do well, what I'm divinely appointed to do. And I also know what I don't do well, you know, and what I have not been placed to do, what my ministry is not. But the thing that people don't realize is that there is a formula for writing story. And so yeah. with that formula, you can write about anything. You can write about um, frogs, you know? <laughs> There's this book about frogs and I use it as an example because people always say, you know, do you think my idea is good? Your idea, as long as you believe in your idea, one, and number two, there is someone else who wants to read that idea, that's all you need. And it That's really right. comes down to marketing on the other side of it. There's a book about frogs that correlated to leadership. And, you know, there was an audience for it because these people have bought into this concept. So, you know, a few things, though. You definitely need truth. Even when you are making things up, you need truth to have a good story. Um, the things that happen every day to us, things that sometimes you say, I can't even believe that. I couldn't have made that up myself. Those yeah. things make for tremendous story, but truth. And the reason why I say truth is because in every story, there are highs and lows. Nobody's life is just high. Right. Every yeah. person has to go through highs and lows. And so it really flows with the true uh, essence and, and, and strategy of the formula of story. And so I think you just need transparency. You know, you need people to be very real about what has happened to them. You need unapologetic truth at that. You know, okay. when people are not apologizing for their truth, Sorry. that is literally the best thing that you can have. So yeah. I think you need truth to tell a story. Whether you're making a story up or not, you need the truth. I think okay, it's, it's so I'm hearing, I'm hearing you definitely have to be vulnerable to, to have a good story. Yeah. You got to share those moments that aren't so glitzy and glamorous. Mm-hmm. We don't love perfection anymore. You can look at social media. We love real. Okay. So it's like the people who get on no there, I, I will never be me. But you know, you get on, on with your bonnet on. People love it. I'm not going in there with my bonnet. But people love yeah. it. You know, we want what is real. We want to connect. We want to know that we're not alone in the world. We want to know. Right. Somebody says, you know, I have been depressed because I've been in the house with COVID. That's real. Yes. You know, want people to, to be real. So yes, vulnerability is key. 
Okay, I love it. And you're absolutely right. I think authenticity is key. Definitely, I think in the past two years, people want to know, what is your real life like? I mean, I know we, you're getting on here with all the filters and you're showing your bags and your purses <laughs> and this and that. that. But it's like, what is the real? What's really happening to you on a day to day, minute to minute? You know, without right. all the glitz and glance. So I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So one thing, one thing that you mentioned, just um, people want truth. And like Monica said, you have to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So in order to be vulnerable, sometimes we have to relive, right, our past. Mm. And that, like That's you said, it. that opens up some wounds mm -hmm. that we may have repressed yes. for some time so we can continue on and, you know, keep a smile and live our glamorous life. Um what is that moment like for you when people have to unleash almost like to me would be like almost turn into a therapist because you don't know what you're going to get as people unleash yeah. that stuff. And then do you get attached, right? Because there could be a traumatic story and you find yourself getting really attached to this person. Sure. So, you know, one thing that I grew up in a home with a counselor and that was the thing that I think made me uh, very understanding and non-judgmental because mm -hmm. my mother was a strongest woman I know she still is thank God she's still living but strongest woman I know she was a counselor but she couldn't counsel her way out of that domestic violence situation she didn't have the strategies to get herself out of it and she was trained in that so I am a counselor because I was trained she taught me how to listen more than I spoke and to hear I hear what people don't say you know when we're on calls I'm I'm hearing pauses you know when someone pauses before they talk they're gonna say they, they're taking time to say something they care about whatever it is that they're about to say it's meaningful to them um when you ask a question and someone says oh, there's meaning yeah. in that. Yeah. you see and so i'm listening to the things that that are not always verbal but yes. they are ways that people communicate i listen to the heart i know that i've been divinely oh, trained wow. to hear that way so that's one thing and then when you say do i get attached it's not that I get attached to the clients. I do truly believe that I become family with all yeah. of the clients. Like I have great relationships with everyone and it's ongoing even after the books are over. Sometimes I have people say, I need to write another book because I need to talk to you. And I'm like, <laughs> but I own it. Yes. So when you tell me about the things that hurt you, right. I own it because you have to have the same pain to put it back onto the page. Right. Wow. So when I get done with books, I have to take mental breaks for my yes. yes. Because I start to, I'm I'm taking it on, but that's a part of my job. So it's almost like, you know, if I were an actress and you have to take that emotion, use it, push it back out. And then, yeah. you know, so that is what I'm doing at all times. I'm owning it. So the things that are very traumatic, like I have a client um, who watched her father um, attempt to murder her mother they watched it like as children they saw mm -hmm. it and then during that same situation the police killed her father that's tremendous. Ah! like they that's watched crazy. it you know what that does to someone right. so to, to hear her talk about that we have to go really deep yes but the thing is you want the reader to to wear that you want the reader to feel, feel the weight of that did That's you right. did you watch the movie? You all watched the movie um, for Colored Girls Only. Yes. 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 Now, you she got that abortion. You like you that part was so sad. 
It was it was terrible. And I had not when I went in to watch the movie, I actually had not read the book at the time. Shame on me. So I thought I was going to see like a waiting to exhale situation. Yes. I didn't know. It was that deep. So I was sitting in the movie theater. I was like, we need counseling. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lie. It is like, a lie. Right. I mean wait. You felt the weight. And that is yeah. what I pour back onto the pages. Right. Yes. I mean, I just can't. Oh, that hanger situation. I'm not even going to go too deep. But wasn't that traumatizing? Right. It was. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. But that that leads me. I mean, I could feel the spirit all around you. But that leads me to my other question is how do you retreat? How, you know, what do you do to stay grounded how do you you know do you go to the beach do you go to church do you, talk to your, you know you gotta how do you do that what do you do what works for you yes so for one i am a wife and a mom right okay and so your family will humble you like no other you know yes, your, your children will always uh, bring you back. <laughs> I know that's right. I don't care what you do, who you writing for. Mama, you need to come on back. Mama. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, so, that's right. That is is one thing that keeps me very grounded is because people need me. You know, my family yeah. needs me, and I'm. I did not, as I mentioned. You know, I came from a single parent home. Um, I watched my grandmother. I didn't watch the domestic violence, but I heard the stories. And so I literally know that me being married is breaking a generational curse. Okay. So that is healing for me because I now get to see my children witness a two-parent home. And I didn't yes. have that. So it means so much to me to be in that space. And so whenever we do things like we go out to eat together, we call yeah. it family date night. We go out to eat, we go to the movies. That's our favorite. And we travel, you know, so we will, people. we do that together. And that is kind of like my retreat is kind of in them. Yeah. Um, when it comes to just me, I love dating myself. I, I yes. love going to the restaurant to eat by so myself. Cool. I'll go to a movie by myself. I love time with myself. I go to the gym. I don't talk about it on social media, but I go to the gym because <laughs> that is a stress relief. You know, yes. I focus on the books. Right. But, um, <laughs> you know, so those are the things that I do for myself. On the other side of it, I also am very gracious and thankful because a lot of people live an entire life and they never know why they're here. They don't yes, know they why don't know they exist. Yeah. So I feel like who am I to take for granted that I get to wake up every single morning and know exactly what it is that I'm supposed to be doing? That's I can't be mad at that. I can't be tired from that. I can't be overwhelmed by that because yes. this is, you know, it's just a gift. So yes. I also don't take for granted that I'm aware of that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, I definitely... Um, hear from your story that you have found your purpose like they say what many are called but few are chosen okay and i think you are definitely walking in your purpose and Powerful. i love love what you're doing helping us really tell our stories yes and that is just a beautiful thing so if i could ask you one thing what would you tell your eight-year-old self mm -hmm. you know i would tell myself that there's so much that I would say, but I would just simply say, know that you are enough just as you are. Okay. Know that you are enough. You have enough um, and that there is more for you. I right. think yes. that so many times we operate from a place of lack. 
You know, we think about what we don't have. And so we think we then operate from what we don't feel we're going to get. Right. Um, and so I was really trying to like find love, you know, yeah. and be love also. I wanted yeah. to be love because for I don't know. I think there's just I'm a hopeless romantic. I know that. But yeah. I just I feel like love is always, you know, right. coming out of my veins. Right. Coming out of yes. my heart. And yes. so I wanted to give that to everybody, but you have to be very careful about that's who right. you give love to. And that's, that's right. in all types of relationships. I'm talking about friendship. Oh, yes. yes. You know, everything. You don't, everyone does not deserve to be loved by you in the fullness of that. Now, everybody deserves your love. That's what we've been mm-hmm. called. But everybody right. does not deserve love that is, you know, where you have to compromise yourself to give it. There are some yes. relationships yes. that right. compromise yourself to give love. When the you love a child, right. you have yeah. to sacrifice mm-hmm. to love, right? And that's yes. worthy of that. You would never take that back. Spouse, same thing. You would never take that back. Parents, however. But there are some people that are not worthy of those compromises. And that's you have true. to learn yes. that early so that you cannot waste your time and your cup can continue to run us over. So I would just say, I would tell myself that you are love. There will always be enough love. It will replenish every, every time and you're enough, you know, and I think everybody needs that. But even as adults, we still need to remind ourselves of that's that. true. That's true. Yes. Yes. Wow. He definitely restored our spirit when we need it. Doesn't he? And um, you know, when you said that you have so much love to give, it's funny because Melly and I always talk about that because <laughs> both of our parents are deceased, but they gave us so much love. They gave us so much attention right. and we give it to family. We give it to friends and it's nothing like it means nothing right, because it's just know. oozing. It's just oozing. Right. It, it means nothing for me to tell you. You're beautiful. Yep. You're doing right. good. I'm so proud of you. Right. You know, encourage you always pick up the phone. So. You know, you're blessed to have that and know that you have that because a lot of people, they don't have that. And so I love it because I can feel your love and I know everybody else can feel your love and we feel your love through your storytelling and we just appreciate you. Um, But lastly, before we let you go, because we appreciate all of our guests and we're not trying to take up your whole night. (laughs) Um, Can you tell us about some events that you're having? I think I seen something about Belize or something like that. We (laughs) We okay, did. listen. <laughs> speaking of love, honey, we love to travel, right? So okay. I just went to Japan um, okay. just before COVID. Went to Japan, and I just yeah. challenge myself: if I go over here and I write differently, or my experience is different, I'm gonna create this for other writers. So okay. I got over there, and it was just it was amazing. And so as soon as I got back, six weeks later, I launched Ardry Ori Retreats with the intent to go to Paris. We planned out a trip to Paris. We got all the writers ready. Beautiful. And then COVID. So (sighs) I was hating on everybody. Everybody. (laughs) So anyways, we launched it and we didn't get to go uh, to Paris. We're actually going to Paris this June. So we're excited. Yes. Cabo. Um, we've done several stateside retreats just because of the different variants, et cetera. And okay. so we're going to Belize April 1st through 4th. Um, and then Paris will be in June. And then we go back to Miami. We do a, a stateside in Miami every December. So we have Ardry Ori retreats going on. Okay. Nice. We also have in March, because it's Women's History Month, yes. we'll be launching what's called Her Story, which is a literary initiative for women of color, nice. because we need a little love with 
our stories and the way we tell them. We need someone to love on us through that process and to just cheer us along the way. So that's going to be a lovely literacy initiative. Um, We also have in the month of February right now, it's called 100 Seeds of Promise. This was in response to Philando Castile. If you remember this gentleman, okay. So who, you know, deserved not what he got nor his family. But what I realized is that we, with our black men, there are targets on their backs. Yes. And if that is the case, then what is happening to those stories? And do they have a safe space to talk? Do they have a safe space to really share and exchange? And so 100 Seeds of of Promise is our literary initiative where we empower um, 100 Black men to become published authors. Yes. The King's Council, which is our first men's brunch. Okay. Men come together. We are reshaping the narrative for men. And so all of these men will come with their books, their stories. They will talk. We have great campaigns going on on social media. So all of those things are happening. I'm excited. Just wonderful. So how can I read our our listeners? Actually, you got me confused now. I'm saying, how can I read this? This is a podcast. (laughs) How can our listeners find you? What is the website? What is the Instagram, Facebook? Let them know. Sure. So the easiest one is the queen of storytelling because all of it is there. So the queen of storytelling, you can find us on all social media there as well as 13th, 13th and Joan. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. I love it. Well, you know what? What we do here on Invisible Women Podcast, we reclaim our time, <laughs> we reclaim our power, and we and reclaim uh, our confidence, baby. Yeah, yeah. And I would have to say, I have done all that just in these 37 minutes sitting with you, Miss Audrey Ori. <laughs> so you did what you came to do, yeah. honey. And came straight to look at I love that. So, you know, I'm going to have to ask you on the chat, you on the side where you can Yes, and we are just so excited you're here. We're going to have some more exciting news uh, with you, but we don't want to share just now. <laughs> but um, we appreciate you. We love you because you have love. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and thank you so much for just educating us and educating yes. our listeners. And I thank you yeah. too. We're going to give you an early happy Valentine's Day that's oh, coming yes. up this weekend. Oh, yes. And I'm a hopeless romantic yes. too. So much love, much love. Much love. I think you're gonna enjoy Paris. Been there twice. She's been to Belize, so I'm gonna have. But yes. I've never been to Belize, so I'm looking like. Let me check my calendar. I might have to. I know she sent me that. She was like, <laughs> "What she got going on?" I've like, never been, but I heard it's beautiful. I heard it's beautiful. Yes. So, oh, I we, cannot wait. I'm gonna okay. join you on a retreat. <laughs> you will. You will. Very yes, good. definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing. Continue to be blessed. Yes. Okay. Have a all good my night. love to you all. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Night.